0: If you withhold the proclamation of the whole counsel of God, and again, law and gospel, the sin and redemption, Good Friday and Easter, well, then don't be surprised if, when people find out what is what is actually the case of the truth of Christianity, that they feel misled.
1: Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am here as usual with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Coke of St. Luke's Church on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. How are you gentlemen today? Excellent. Yeah, great, a, Nick. Thanks. It is officially Hilton Head Island, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, Some people are very particular about that. I, I imagine so. You guys, it feels weird not to talk about the Archbishop of Canterbury's claim that he's removing himself as one of the instruments of Anglican unity, but I just don't feel like we know enough about what that means yet. Maybe next week. What? What though? Are your first impressions of this development?
0: It's like the first good thing he's done since uh, <laughs> since assuming his 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 graceness or something. Like,
2: <laughs> I mean, it, I'm, it's very British, right? I mean, it's a. I don't. I don't think that if Michael Curry were the the center of the anglican hub that he would for a minute entertain the idea of giving up any power whatsoever but i think it's a it's a very kind of british mentality with, uh, to to step away from a, a post when you're no longer able to represent um represent it well and maybe it's I, I was reading the i was reading the article and i didn't it seemed like the it seemed to me that People were saying he was stepping away, but he was saying he would consider stepping away. So I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell what exactly was being said, what exactly he said he was going to do. It, it's it may also, also very be very British. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, which is also very British. I, I we're, also... we're making our British listener very upset. <laughs> yeah, <song>. yeah. <laughs> we love yeah. the REC, though. Love it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the REC is a great, just a phenomenal, phenomenal organization. But the thing is, if he, if, if, if he did that that would radically change the uh, dynamics mm-hmm. of, of the communion like for example if if it turned out to be uh, the the archbishop or the the primate of uh, all primates uh, were to be elected and say the primate of nigeria were to be that one person and that and he retained as the elected head uh he took that spot of being one of the instruments of communion then then we could actually see legitimate discipline being taking place taking place okay. within the communion which I, I mean that's a that's a long shot because i don't know that I, I still don't know what he means by all this
1: well and who decided um, what the instruments yeah. of unity were in the first place is there like a written down sheet of paper somewhere that says the sea of canterbury is one of the four and yes you're yeah, yeah. not there is okay
2: yeah, it's part of the. I forgot where I forgot where it's written, but it is it is part of the, the foundational okay. understanding of, of the communion, and, and that's why the Archbishop Bishop of Canterbury not recon, recognizing the ACNA is is why we're not part of the communion. Right. And, um, yeah. Thanks be to God. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, I think it's just you know if you watched any of his statements, particularly after the um, synod, which one? Not it wasn't the synod. It was the one, the last one where they were. I forget where him where he and York got up and started wringing their hands and sort of being so sad about the, the direction the church was uh, wasn't going or at least at least the decision they hadn't made and it was just such a sad and pathetic sort of attempt to to say two things at once you know that there was this I agree with you and I think we're going the right direction and my heart is broken for all of our you know the people that were harming and yet you know, I'm I'm also worried about the people around the world who are going to be persecuted because you know the, this the the church is going more liberal, and it was just an indication. It was like watching the um. Remember when Andy Doyle came out with his supposed middle way in the in the Episcopal Church that was like you know I'm not again I'm not personally for it, but I'm going to allow it. You know, and that was supposedly held up as like the this great compromise position. And I remember at the time getting into some arguments with some friends of mine, because I said this this actually represents the most cowardly of all positions, because it's either, you either think it's a right that God blesses it, and it's good and true, and so therefore stand up against whoever is standing against you and fight them down, like, like Paul stood up to Peter, you know, or the converse is true, but it can't be this, well, it's true for me, but not for you, or vice versa. And it was such a sad sense of, of um, sort of cynical, You know this this sort of cynical compromise, and I see this now taking place on the on the global level with this. And you know, watching the archbishop like sort of be, I don't know, like it was a it was a caricature of a of a leader. You know, it's like Winston Churchill is rolling around in his grave. You know, it's like this 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 is the 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 height of abrogation of responsibility is to is to basically say. I don't want to make a decision, and it's like, well, you were the one who who aspired to it. You were the one who agreed to it. Like, this is someone has got to pull the trigger or flip the switch. And to say now that he's like, well, maybe I don't really want to do that. I mean, it's a little bit like the the ecclesial version of of Prince Harry, you know. And and it's like we're just watching the same thing. Like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this authority and responsibility, mom. So you know, it
1: sounds like he's characterizing the African primates one way when he talks to members of parliament and characterizing his conversations with members of parliament in a different way when he talks to African primates and nobody believes that he's telling the truth and everybody just wants him to come out and say what he really feels. What do you believe the Bible teaches on this topic? And therefore what should the church teach? Yeah, that's right. Well, What we wanted to spend the bulk of our time talking about today is something much more fun, the He Gets Us campaign. This is an (laughs) advertising campaign, which has spent – you get some conflicting reports online. Some have said up to around a billion dollars on advertising, marketing materials, all the stuff, advertising the fact that Jesus gets us, all of us. Now, if you haven't seen ads on billboards or on the internet, people almost certainly saw the He Gets Us ads that aired during the Super Bowl. One 30-second ad, which cost $7 million, and a 60-second ad, which cost $14 million. That's just for the airtime, to say nothing of the production costs. So the first ad was a bunch of still shots of cute kids, uh, closing with the tagline, Jesus didn't want us to act like adults. Uh, Second was a bunch of people yelling at each other with the tagline, Jesus loved the people we hate. And then the legend, he gets us, all of us. Uh, There's a lot to talk about, pros and cons, responses from both sides of the theological aisle. What was your first impression of the campaign, guys?
2: I've been kind of monitoring it for about I guess the first it started about two or three months ago. I think, I think it was announced. Yeah, through, I think it you know, was. Yeah, and it's kind of following the, the there was it was it was first announced. There was already controversy about it, and I think for good reason because I think I think it is a it's not presenting the Jesus of the Bible. The the He who gets us and the He who gets his campaign campaign is is really seems to be kind of a Frankenstein monster of of co- constructed. You know, using various cultural pieces, things that people really want Jesus to be about, and things that uh, that that uh, our culture believes, people in our culture believe, and uh, and so you're not going to find. I, I, I haven't listened to one. I've listened to many of them. I've listened to one. He gets us advertisement in which Jesus says a single thing that is in any way offensive to anyone who might be on the woke side of things. Not a thing. Although Ooh. I have to say the the it was funny to watch the response of some someone left after the Super Bowl ads came up. They were they were pretty outraged. But don't forget, Jesus this? is a fascist. Right, right, that's right, <laughs> right. But it's but it's, it's it's if you were to if you were to put a, a committee of, of very woke people together together and say come up with a Jesus who will uh, who will persuade the liberal elites that he is just like them. This is it. This is the so, Jesus. Yeah.
1: So, what do you say to the rejoinder, which is, we're trying, and not that I've heard anybody involved with the campaign arguing this, but I can imagine it that we're trying to get just that sort of person to click on this link and go to the website, and then we might do some of the work no it's just about talking it's, about who jesus a really is it's bait and
2: switch though cuz it's you're you're not telling people about the real jesus you're talking about you're talking about a, a scam it's a fake this is this is really mis- the mistake of of the attractional model for church too like you present you present a jesus that you think the average non believer might find attractive um and then you pull them in um but then the problem is once you get them in you got to keep. You've got to keep up the charade because if you if you if you show the real Jesus who offends, you're going to lose him. So you can't ever pull the the, the true Jesus out without losing the very people you've attracted by by presenting the false Jesus. So it's it's a scam. And, and Jesus, there's there's you cannot. It's just such a this model of of of, of a church. Growth. This model of advertising. This model of, uh, model of marketing. There is just nothing at all resembling this in the New Testament. Nothing. In fact, if you look at the sermons, we talked about this last week, and I feel like I'm a, a broken record. If you look at the sermons in Acts, if you look at the <laughs> sermons that Jesus preached, they go directly at the sins of a culture or of a people. That, that that's where they start, and then they present the good news of the gospel. This this campaign. I, I have you guys seen any mention of any kind of sin other than the sin of people not being um, social justice enough? I mean, I don't, I don't know that. Or
0: judgmental? You know? Yeah, yeah. Not not tolerant, not inclusive enough. I think for us, this picture, I think a little bit the reason we have been inoculated against this, or at least we were suspicious from the beginning, is because this is exactly the Jesus of liberal twentieth century scholarship in particular that we were you know at least uh, introduced to I mean you were explicitly taught Matt, at least you know in seminary we were we were warned against and then I saw it in full display still in sort of you know kind of mainline Christian scholar or theological scholarship in Europe and you know this this attempt to to sh- shear him of any of the offensive um, statements or positions or ramifications of the positions you would take um, if you believed in him is, is a fool's errand. And so I was talking to most church staff this morning and I said, you know I wish you know, I don't I, I have some, a lot of respect for the guy who owns Hobby Lobby. you know I think there's been some courageous stands that he's taken and some hits in the culture and things and I, I think he was one of the major donors of this, but I you know I wish someone had gotten to him before he wasted all of his money because there's just there was there was no way to do what he was trying to do. It's been tried. Um, you know almost every generation for the past 150 200 years you know again we talk about i feel like a we talk about like they're like <laughs> schleiermacher like this is exactly like the the this culture despisers uh um, super bowl commercial like you know they're really not um <laughs> homophobes guys they're really not yeah. um illiterate unsophisticates they're really not um you know some of them even believe in abortion and evolution like you know come on now Like come, come back to church. It's like, well, you know, we need to talk and you know, there might be an interesting conversation we had, but it won't, it won't be, it won't be one like this. And it won't be um, really even started because, you know, I sent you all those screenshots of the tweets that, um, people were writing because the, the very very connection with people like the owner of Hobby Lobby and sort of, um, quote unquote, conservative Christian groups that are behind this invalidates the message on its face for many people. You know, they're like, hate is alive and well at the Super Bowl. You know, it's like hashtag he gets us like, well, you know, there's no way that there's no way to win this. And and I, you know, I don't know how no one listens to us, obviously, who has any influence over these type of things, because they could I, I have a lot better ways they could spend their 20 million dollars uh, to actually work on evangelizing people other than than these ads. But I am sympathetic. I have a lot of friends of mine and people in the church who I dearly love who were hoping that this was going to be the silver bullet, you know, who were hoping that this was going to be the, you know, the the cultural defining moment where the conversation shifts. And I, you know, smiled and and said well I, I i don't share your hope but i i hope i'm wrong and and I certainly didn't seem to be wrong i mean it's a little bit like the chosen you know i think there's a there's a there's a i think there's a there's a, there's some similarities here i don't think they're exactly the same but i think that there's an attempt that to paint jesus in a different more accessible light and i think obviously the chosen is more you know since it's it's based on the bible it's actually more um effective or at least more more true but I think that there there was a there was a hope that this would somehow... I mean, I think, Nick, I think most people think that the people that like this commercial, to answer your question, would have hoped that the hashtag or the QR code would have sent them directly to the website of The Chosen. <laughs> I think that's I, kind you're of the, have to, the idea.
1: Bite, Man, your think, tongue. Yeah, bite your tongue. I, I totally disagree with you. Get behind me.
2: <laughs> because because <laughs> I don't know. Have you watched... Have you watched I'm the, telling the people that I... I've watched, I watched the, the first two seasons.
0: Okay. Yeah, but I'm saying so, that in terms of... What I mean is that the... I think that I didn't say that they're the same thing, but I think that they're, the, they're, they're in the same. I mean, same, I would say they're radically the same, different.
2: They're radically different. I don't know if they're radically different. I, radically I don't know different. if they're radically because, different. Because, because. What, well, okay, okay so, here's so the so thing. So the this, Sermon on the Mount the, 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 episode, the, the, which he I. He gets us. Does there any sense that the Jesus, if he gets us, is is the son of God? That he has power to do to do as he wishes and as he pleases. Is there any sin? No, there's not. In fact, you know he's he comes not position. The, the poor position can't help anybody. He just dies. You know he dies because he loves people so much. And then and that's not the chosen Jesus at all. He's he he. There's several in the in the several times in the first and second season and definitely in the third season where he claims to be God. And then the the question of his, what he's come to do, right? And and and, and the, he gets us. Jesus is here to. know kind of hang out with us and sympathize with us and cry with us and that's fine because you just did do that but the chosen Jesus is here to save us from our sins. I mean, there's, they actually do a sin in the in the chosen. And they, they did. They did soft pedal the right. Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I think that, he's right yeah, about I, that. They did. That was, they did. I was mad about that. But they. But that that was the that was in the first part of the third season. And since then, they they cleaned it up. So <laughs>
0: well, um, I know better than to touch this sacred cow. The second, yeah, person. we're about to. Have, I mean, I second I, commandment's I, so... about to be uh <laughs> But you know, the, my point is not that this is. I'm. I. Well, I was talking about the people that were hopeful that they would go to the website. I think that there was a lot of well-intended Christian people who were gladdened when they heard that this campaign, who may not share the same experience we have had, you know, and weren't as prepared for what it ultimately, we knew it was going to become, which is this 20th century liberal, tolerant, um, Unitarian Jesus and so to answer your question, Nick, what I think, I think that a lot of people went into it hoping that it would draw people into something of a more real conversation with Christianity. And I think that that's what I was saying, like the chosen, except that what it did draw them, it drew them to a, you know, basically it could have been like the Episcopal Church's, um, you know, national website, just short of any distinctive uh, church affiliation. But well, I did spend like, some, you know, I did
1: spend some time on the website and I can't claim to have looked at all of it, but it does... Read, did you get a free hat, a free t shirt? <laughs> swag, yeah. Rep, you got to rep and get free swag. Um, but it is, as far as I can tell, pretty devoid of sin language. It talks a lot about love, but not about sin and not about the death of Jesus for your sins specifically. Now, I do think again, I'm playing devil's advocate for a moment here. I think, it, in order to give credit where it's due, I think it was Aaron Wren. Who wrote an article saying that while he didn't agree with the way that he gets us went about it in every respect, he thought I think his phrase was that they were over the right target. And he talked about pre-evangelism. And I think he would have he would have drawn a distinction, Matt, that the culture into which Paul preached, for instance, in the Areopagus is very different from our culture. Now, Paul was able to say, I see you all are very religious. You even have an altar to an unknown God. Let me name him for you. Whereas he gets us, at least I think theoretically is thinking these people don't even, the earth is completely untilled. Like we need to start at the very beginning that there was a man, Jesus. Now, again,
0: see, I think that's a, I think that's a false. I think that's a, I think certainly to, to the Bible, that is a false picture of the stance of the unbelieving human person because paul says that what is what is true about god is clearly perceived in the things he has created and yet we are without excuse because we reject the creator for the creature and worship the creature and And so i think that's the and that's the that's the mistake in the attractional model of of preaching you know the, the the power of of the gospel is seen in the the transformation, the the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the and the the re, you know the rejuvenation, the opening the eyes of your heart. Paul says in Ephesians, and without that type of preaching, which comes through as we always say, law and gospel. You know, repent and believe. Then what you're going to do is you're simply going to coax people in uh, to a vision of a of a Jesus or a church or a movement that they already at certain level agree with if it fits their unbelieving sinful shape of things you know and then and then when when like you said before matt it becomes true what if they have any like access to to a bible um they start reading through it in particular the sermon on the mount or Jesus interaction with with well everyone up until his death then they see well maybe i wasn't told the whole story and this is you know i've been fighting this fight my entire adult life because when i was in college you know it was a big all the rage to sort of try to uh, be attractional, you know, this missional model, this whole idea, you know, this is back when i um, a, a new kind of Christian, you know, Brian McLaren and all this stuff was like, Oh, if we could just, if we could just repaint ourselves and just show everyone that we were um, not like grandpa, you know, who was such a jerk, then uh, maybe then people come to church. And it's like, you seem to be saying this so loudly to compensate for something in yourself, not so much with with the desire for the people you're supposedly trying to reach because it's not working one and two, you're getting increasingly agitated. And what we've seen now, 20 something plus years later, is many of the people, the leaders of that initial movement aren't even Christians anymore, or certainly aren't, don't even purport to be, you know, they've all quote unquote deconstructed and finding um, new ways of faith. You know, you think of like, um, Derek Webb or or I don't know where Brian McLaren is now, but you think of like um, uh, Barnabas Piper, you know, these guys that were, that were, were all of the, you know, we need to change Christianity or die type people some 25 years ago. It's like many of them aren't even professing Christians at this point. And so you have to wonder um, what's really going on when people are so insistent on telling you what Christianity isn't versus just um, embracing what it, what it in a certain sense always has been, which is the, the, the death of Christ for sinners
2: yeah and you know i agree with everything you said and and secondly that when people go to the mars hill sermon and and try to make it out as some kind of contextualized softball it certainly i mean he certainly understands where he is right he he knows he knows he's he's not going to quote scripture to the athenian philosophers he's because they don't know they don't know it but man read the sermon He, he he basically <clears> tells he tells them they've been in error for their entire history. They've been worshiping <laughs> worshiping false gods. And he tells them who the real God is, and that he sent his son who's coming to who's coming to judge. He's coming to judge. Uh, that's he's right. going to judge all the peoples. And so now is your time to repent. I mean, it's it's just not a softball sermon. It goes right at them. It mm-hmm. goes right at their idol the, the chief sin of the of the Athenian Athenians is idolatry. And Paul calls them out on idolatry. Tells them about Jesus coming to judge and calls him to repent. That's, I mean, there's 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 no resemblance between that and I, whatever whatever um, this person was describing as yeah. pre-evangelism. or In right. the in the he gets his campaign.
1: Yeah. Our society may well be post-Christian, but as we've discussed many times, it's certainly not secular. It's pagan and knows exactly what sin is. I guarantee you Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has no hesitation calling someone a sinner. She may not locate the list of what sins are in the same place that you and I would, but she understands the category. And I think everybody else does too.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that um, uh, interaction that Paul has in Acts 17. I mean, it's rightly, I mean, and you know, point to all the time for all sorts of reasons But I always take heart that at the end of it, you know, it said some of them jeered and sneered, you know, um, some of them said, we want to hear a little bit more. And then some became believers, you know, and I use that as an example all the time with respect to kind of sermons or teachings. It's like, well, I'm expecting a certain percentage of you to dismiss this out of hand, certain percentage of you to be sort of intrigued. And then, you know, will stranger things have happened? And some of you are actually like more stronger believers now than ever you were before. Um, But again, that points back to the, To the way that we've actually been given to to watch the holy spirit work through the preaching and teaching of the word which is that if you withhold the proclamation of the whole counsel of god again law and gospel the sin and redemption good friday and easter well then don't be surprised if when people find out what is what is actually the case of the truth of christianity that they feel misled you know or they feel that they have been you know hadn't been told the whole story and and i think that's really what what i mean i guess if you if you went to the He Gets Us website and then you found a church somehow through that that looked a lot like the you know the Metropolitan Church or uh, the National Cathedral, then maybe you wouldn't feel like you had the wool pulled over your eyes. But um, if you went to any church worth the actual name, a Christian, then you would feel like you you, you had been misled.
2: And that's another thing, apparently, with the, about this campaign is that there's no criteria for the churches who affiliate with He Gets Us. So you could... You know, there, there's a place on their website, I believe, where you can read and click and go to a connect with a church um, in your locality that has signed up or agreed to be part of this campaign. But who knows where you're going to go? Like you say, you could, you're going to wind up with a affirming church. You're going to wind up with a who knows what kind of church. You a, a Mormon? <laughs> I mean, I don't see anything. I don't think see anything so far that Mormons wouldn't have a problem with in this Jesus. So well, and they even say
1: specifically
2: that their goal is
1: not to get you to go to a church, which I understand you don't want to make, you know, that's what someone who thought they might be being tricked would think, Oh, you just are trying to get me to go to a church. But when someone comes to faith in Jesus, the or even a question about him, the first thing we want to do is get them with other Christians, build them a community where they're going to hear the gospel, be discipled and actually go to church as as ann kennedy is so fond of saying is is our mantra we we do go to church we want someone to go to church obviously we want them to go to a good church so here's actually a follow-up question should we all be putting our churches on the he gets us website just just in the hopes that somebody might come
2: (laughs) i mean is that a
0: possibility can you do that I think
2: i I think
0: you've already been blackballed, Matt. I don't think there's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading from this article. Uh, it's, it's called "The Seven um, Seven Problems with the He Gets His Campaign." Who's it by? Uh, it is by uh, Natasha, Crane. <laughs> Natasha, oh, Natasha Crane. Natasha Crane. I have her. I have her
1: children's apologetics book.
2: Oh, okay. So it's a really good article. If you if you want to find a, a good critique of the He Gets His campaign. Go look that up. On the the section talking about churches affiliating, it says that uh, this is the seventh problem she has with it. The next steps offered by the He Gets Us Us campaign could lead someone far away from the truth rather than toward it. Hundreds of churches have signed up to respond to people who fill out the Connect on the Connect form. Uh, Clearly, an important question is where Those people are directed. However, there's no theological criteria or statement of faith that churches must adhere to in order to take part. The president marketing the marketing agency says, "We hope that all churches that are aligned with He Gets Us will participate. This includes multiple denominational uh, and non denominational church affiliations, Catholic and Protestant churches, churches of various size, ethnicities, languages, geography. So there's really no whoever. It doesn't matter what you are uh, or what you wear. Just come on in." And we'll send you people. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't think it would hurt for an Orthodox church to, to put bait out there. I'd sign itself up. But at the same time, I'm not sure. I would want my church to be affiliated with this. I mean, I'm afraid if people people clicked on that and found that my church was associated with it, they might associate my church with the theology of He gets us, and I wouldn't want that. So, I still think the
0: entire campaign is, like I said before, misguided in towards sort of its anthropology. Um, and I'm just going to keep coming back to this, because I've been talking about it a lot with my church, because, you know, people are rightly worried about the next generation, about the decline of the church, you know, about the changing mores of the culture. And I say, well, you know, the church has been smaller before, you know, for sure, certainly globally. I mean, we're, you know, in certain sense, we're at the max, you know, we're growing globally, which is a very exciting, but, you know, the only answer to the problem of, of unbelief has ever been to to preach and to and I tell them I said listen you know I wear a collar a bunch you know increasingly so now just because I find it to be so counter uh, cultural it's I don't know I feel like I have a tattoo on my forehead or something that says you know Jesus freak uh you know I tell them like listen you know I, I wear a collar and it sort of repels people or 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 attracts people you know and I can't really do much about that and might as well but I was like, you can get undercover, you can get out there to them, and actually, if you know what to say, you know how to to hear the the cries of unbelief and sort of the despair of of hopelessness, um, or even the, sort of the confusion about sin and guilt. You know, I mean I mean the, the idea that that people are somehow beyond guilt and shame is such a laughable concept. You know, we look around us, and I said, you know, that there's there are moments that the Lord will give you if you are prepared and if you're ready to actually be the preacher, be that preacher that was sent into that person's life to actually be the catalyst, which could be the, the, the day, you know, the day that they turn the day that they come back. And, and that's the work of the church um, for unbelievers. It's not to sit down and assume that they are going to have these rational reasons why that they aren't coming to church. Like they aren't coming to church because they don't, they don't need, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't need the gospel. But they certainly need the gospel, and they need, and but they will, will, will only hear that when when it's proclaimed, you know, in some some way, shape, or form. And so, I was talking to someone recently uh, who was dealing with their unbelieving friends, and he wanted a list of objections, uh, of books, or some resources that he could address their objections. And I said, well, you know, you really need to pray and be wise about whether or not these are good faith questions, because if it's a good faith question, like Nicodemus, for instance, well, then there's a, there's a good chance that the Lord is. Um, you know, that's an indication that the Holy Spirit's already working in that in that person's life. And so I think you should be excited and, and pray. And here's, you know, a list of resources. But if it's someone that's simply wanting to, you know, sort of win an argument against you or somehow be an, uh, someone like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you know, knowing in their hearts that they wanted to trick him, well, then you need to just be wise about your time and your, and your interaction with him. Not to be afraid, but it's like, it does seem like there's a lot of wasted time under the auspices of, of uh questioning yeah. which could better be used by simply praying or um you know or or preaching for that matter.
1: If I were to answer all your questions satisfactorily would you believe? <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's Is there right. an actual end to this conversation? I have a question for you guys. I don't have the 14 million dollars lying around but I imagine one could construct a pretty effective and a, well, I don't know about effective. That's not the right word. A pretty affecting one minute gospel presentation. Something like you are a sinner. Here are some of the myriad ways you probably are a sinner. Your (laughs) sin, in fact, put the son of God on a criminal's cross. But three days later, he rose again. Your sins on his shoulders, his righteousness given to you. Here is his name. Here is his worship. Here is some group of Christians who want to tell you more about that. Is that worth doing? Or is that that just as foolhardy as something like this?
2: It's not as foolhardy because that would be the truth, right if funding a commercial like that would be funding the gospel. you're actually pre, you're actually presenting Jesus as he is, and there's a possibility well God promises to work through that and to and to bring people to faith through the proclamation of the gospel. So I don't think it would be nearly i mean it'd be great it'd be wonderful i mean the question i guess is more practical like these are are there more effective ways to spread the gospel and spend seven million dollars on a super bowl commercial um and i mean i kind of think there might be but well seven uh, million only gets 30 seconds so oh yeah so i mean i think (laughs) i think i think there might be more effective ways now i I saw a conversation elsewhere about well you could have you could take that seven million dollars or 14 million dollars or how much doesn't feed how many people well Okay, I, I get that, but I do think spending money on actual pro- actually proclaiming the gospel is as or more valuable than than that. You're close to Judas Iscariot territory yeah.
0: there. <laughs> no, I was getting yeah, no, pretty sir. fired up when you were when you were describing yeah. that, Nick. I was getting a pretty clear picture. That I think that, I think that'd be pretty moving. ad. you know, it's a little bit like if you took you could took segments of we um, could get
1: the Jesus the guy, guy from the chosen to do it
0: that's right and you're exploding <laughs> all over <laughs> you get know, all the presbyterians would, but uh oh but you uh if you had you know if you could like splice together some of like christianity explored rico tice's you know um alpha um equivalent and then some of the testimonies from the modern alpha you know and then interspice with like a voiceover you know you have these um because essentially what you would do is give someone a you know a connected point to their own i mean just like when we preach their own burden, you know, coming to me, all oh, you heavy laden, I will give you rest. You mean just follow the, the script of the comfortable words, you know, yeah. but it would give somebody an insight into a, um, like those helplines, you know, like they, they come on at three in the morning in LA. I mean, Las Vegas and stuff. I mean, that's, those, those are real things. People call these things, you know? And I think, it's funny, it reminds me of that billboard. There's a billboard, I think it's on 95 or might be 26. It's on a road, uh, highway around here that we used to drive. And it's just a giant billboard that says, um, save me, Jesus, no, help me, Jesus, save my soul. Or no, forgive me, Jesus, save my soul. And <laughs> You can't help but read it. And we always laugh about how many people who aren't believers must go by there and be like, ah. Got it again. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. You know, because it's, it's impossible. It's impossible not to read it. It's impossible. And I'm like, well, if we're if we're going on the the letter of the law, not the spirit, then maybe that that billboard's doing a ton of work. Um, but uh, no, I think you know the hard part these days, which would be amazing, is can you imagine getting something uh, an ad like that approved for something like the Super Bowl? I mean, the outrage would be enormous. I mean, they almost couldn't get this one done just because of the people that backed it. Um, much less, it didn't really even say anything of any consequence. You know, he loves those you hate. It's like, well, okay. I mean, you know. It's, it's like and, he, and that other one is even, just yeah.
1: so silly. Jesus didn't want us to act like adults. I mean, goodness gracious, that is an abomination translation of what Jesus meant when he said that we should <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah. have faith like little
2: children. Because <laughs> they're literally saying you should be childish, right? Should, yeah. Jesus wants you to be childish and no, not, not childlike. Um, in your faith, yeah, I do think and- it's
0: interesting now. It's interesting now that the groups that did support it, as far as as far as the angry left wing Twitter Twitter says, that the people like it wasn't just the Hobby Lobby um, guy; he was one of the major funders, but apparently some other group called the I forget what it's called. It wasn't the Syndicate, but it was something <laughs> something like that. Something it was something like that. But it was but you know these are otherwise ostensibly very traditional conservative Christian groups. And so I wonder what their conversations were like, you know, assuming that they haven't jettisoned their convictions. I mean, Hobby Lobby hadn't turned into a, you know, giant woke corporation, you know. And so I don't know, I don't know what they were intending this to do if the end was to bring people into a Christianity that they themselves would recognize, you know, which would be, as far as we can tell, a, a very, a very traditional and conservative one. And so I, I just I think it was it was a it was, the whole thing was confusing to me and I'm you know I'm I hope the conversation has sparked you know there's been some benefits to the conversation even if only like ours you know this is a exercise to help clarify some of the pros and cons but it didn't seem to have the intended effect or, or I wonder what the intended effect was and, and it didn't seem to have much of an effect at all other than kind of entrenching already decided people on one side or the yeah. other.
2: I mean, I wonder if they were just thinking we've got to get we we want to have a we want to have a a high profile advertising campaign that piques people's curiosity about Jesus. But we we have to make it in such a way that it won't be it won't be quickly dismissed by people who are highly attuned to conservative christianity i mean yet it was though it well, was it They right on wondering. the
1: website about all the research that they did beforehand and their number one learning was that christianity is overwhelmingly associated with hate and judgment and so they wanted to present a jesus that was all about love the love story of jesus is what they want to communicate
0: it makes you wonder why these people didn't spend 14 million dollars to work on season five of the chosen or whatever and or add at- do an ad to the super bowl for the chosen I mean, i'm mean, i not i'm not trying to provoke you i mean i mean that like that would seems to be seems to be a more effective cultural movement to to kind of re-engage nominally christian people than sort of social justice jesus well to their credit um, i don't so think I, that they're I,
1: aiming at nominally christian p- people like the chosen maybe i think they're at least trying to aim at non-christian people
2: yeah no i think that's true um i just think they Again, yeah. the broken record thing, you're not going to bring, win people to Jesus if you don't actually present Jesus to them. If I hold out an advertisement for, you know, uh, any product and you say, Oh, come and try this brand new soda. And, it, you know, it turns out it's like, I don't know, it's not soda at all. It's some it's like maybe some kind of, you know, I don't know, something else <laughs> then, then if people are gonna think like they wasted their money. Going to That's like, some a- sort of pool cleaner. <laughs> <might> <laughs> oh wait, this is Drano. I mean, virus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is not cola. Yeah, it, it's you've you're, you've 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 lied to everybody, and you've really actually yeah. not sold the product you're trying to sell. Yeah. So well,
0: I've been telling people this. I've been talking to this to my congregation recently because I, I don't know. If we we just this has been the conversation. Maybe it's because the Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through that. Or maybe it's. I think it's the juxtaposition between the Sermon on the Mount and like the dysfunction in Corinth have been very kind of illuminating. I don't know if you all been using those two, but you know, I've been saying what's going to happen going forward is the 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 witness of the church has got to be gospel centric. You know, meaning that that it's not going to be that we're better than you or that we're we're you know more sophisticated or we're more holy. It's going to be simply that we are a group of forgiven people who actually show events, something of the joy of our salvation through the repeated uh, refrain of God's mercy, mercy shown in Christ for us. And I said, that's going to look like what the world cannot believe would happen is that men and women who have harmed, hurt each other will be reconciled. You know, children will grow to honor and respect their parents. You know, that there will be grandparents who will be uh, who will face death with courage and dignity. You know funerals that are sad but not despairing, like all the things that are the mark of the church, and that is going to be the the witness that is going to bring unbelievers to to repentance. You know this is what see how they loved each other. You know uh, Jesus said, and this is how we're we're going to see. Um, you know that's going to be the primary evangelistic tool I think in this culture going forward because the the sort of the, the apologetic argument about the 101 questions that the bible can't answer or that the science disproves all these things has such a um was such a kind of like high late modernity kind of understanding of how people were one to the to the faith not that it's not intellectual but the, the idea that we haven't had these intellectual questions answered sufficiently and still people persist in their unbelief is laughable on its face it clearly it's verifiable and so what is the real problem? The real problem is a spiritual one, you know, and that means that the 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 spirit has to be unleashed through the preaching and teaching of the Word. and we should expect maybe not massive unbelievers to come to faith uh, through our work, but but we should expect people to be deepened and then strengthened to go out and shepherd people back in. And so I think, you know, it's not rocket science and it's not it's not particularly um, flashy, but but we have seen it, and it does work, and it will continue to work. However, um, slowly, but um, you know, I don't see a way forward. I don't think that there. I think we're past the sort of mass marketing argumentation. You know, I don't think Billy Graham and that sort of model is as effective as it was, and as necessary, and in part as it was, is going to come back. I don't foresee that. Um, although maybe there's something to this revival or these revivals going around, you know, that even in some of the excesses that perhaps that like Jonathan Edwards said, um, you know, that, that on in the main, you know, I think someone, I read an article about that today, maybe in the main conviction is being brought, you know, maybe the Holy spirit is going to blow and people are going to come face to face with their sins. And we need to be ready um, with the only place where sins can be forgiven. You know, this is what we, this is what we'll do. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, the, the whole thing, conversation has been interesting, but, um, but I, I don't think that the "He Gets Us" campaign is going to be threatening worldwide Christian, uh, or at least it's going to be the catalyst for this sort of this next great awakening. Um, you know, so, so I mean, I'm i hoping one does come, but I don't think that was the the way to do it.
2: You no, know, God has never been concerned with PR. He, he's never thought that if our if if we don't present a good face to the public if we don't stop our fighting if we don't stop the if we don't if we don't just you, you know, present a all love all the time face people won't come to us and the, and the number one not I mean, I mean i'm number one but one of the great examples of that is you know what happened. i know I, I bring up acts every time because i'm preaching through acts but you know what chapter five uh the gospel is is being preached in jerusalem thousands of people are coming to faith being brought to faith being baptized the church is becoming massive in the matter of months and so what does god do well he decides to strike down ananias and sapphira i'm gonna, he's gonna i'm gonna really kill people who are bringing me money um and so and what happens well the whole city is struck with fear the church is struck with fear the cities are with fear um and what's god doing is he's saying he's pointing out that the church is you know the new temple and just like a may have an a you can't Bring strange fire to to the tabernacle. Neither can Ananias' fire, or anyone else, lie to the Holy Spirit and bring uh, and, and approach him how they want. He's he's a holy God, and he he is he's a just God. Um, he's a God who brings people to salvation by grace through faith alone. But he is not at all afraid to bear his arm through his church um, through the preaching of the of the true law that he's he's revealed, because. He is the maker and creator of all things. He doesn't. He doesn't need to hide behind a marketing campaign. Um, you either love him and bend the knee uh, and, and trust his son Jesus Christ, or you reject him. But he's not going to change himself for you. He's not going to make himself look better for you, right? Or for me. That that that's the you you if you're thinking that way, you've you've misunderstood the roles that we're playing. You are the one who's supposed to bend the knee and conform yourself to him, not vice versa and i hope you do if you haven't I, and he offers you every opportunity to do that through um through faith you hear the gospel every every time you go to church i hope and i hope you believe believe it but don't think that you get to you have the right to change anything about him to make other people like him he doesn't want you to do that and he doesn't need mm-hmm. you to do that and because he is almighty he can
1: even use three preachers like us And even by a miracle, use something that may be as flawed as the He Gets Us campaign to actually make his name known. He has been using uh, flawed preachers to sustain and even grow his church from day one. And so we do pray that somebody might come into contact with the real God and the real Jesus through the He Gets Us campaign and confess their sins and know the forgiveness that is offered for free by the blood of Christ for sinners. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Stand Firm this week. That's going to be all the time we have today. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can be in touch with us can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks to J.D. Coke and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Lannon, and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm.